0: Right, this is uh, episode five of Villaincast. Uh, it's a podcast with myself, Chris Paynes. Um, shout out to our sponsors. Yep, that's all the sponsors uh, <laughs> dealt with. Uh, so this episode five, I've got Josh McKinney. He is the uh, host of I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu Show, which is a tremendous podcast. I, I highly recommend you go listen to it uh i'll let him continue the rest uh hey josh hey man how are you doing thanks for having me on no no thank you for uh for giving me your time i know uh you may possibly end up training at some point soon so i hope i won't take up too much of your time i uh
1: yeah i've got i've got a while sorry my dog's in the background barking That's he cool. always likes to he likes to do that to start out most episodes <laughs> to actually say hey about me um but uh yeah I, I actually I actually have quite a bit of time now because um, I didn't realize that it, I knew this, but I didn't think about it. The last time you and you were on my show, um, mm-hmm. if people haven't heard that, I really recommend listening to that episode. Um, we went back and forth on Instagram and you know I said, oh, you're uh, like seven hours ahead of me. Well, I didn't think about it, but you guys don't have daylight savings time. and so oh, we do Oh, you do?
0: We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then
1: is your guys' daylight savings time different than mine? Because now you're only six hours five. ahead of
0: me. What time is it where you are right now?
1: So right now it's... Oh wait, no, now you're.
0: I think five hours.
1: Dude, I don't know. i mean, right now. It's three eighteen our time. Uh, what what time
0: is it yours? It's uh nine eighteen here, so it must be six now. Six. When okay. You, then... When do you change to summer time and go out, forward an hour?
1: Um, we go in the spring, like May 21st, something like that.
0: Okay, we go in March. Like, I'm pretty sure ours is like in like maybe one or two weeks time.
1: I could be wrong. Maybe ours is one or two weeks. Maybe maybe we just cut this part <laughs> out. Maybe I look stupid on it. Who cares? <laughs> but uh, regardless, I have time. Uh, I have more time to talk now. So we're, we're set. But uh, also thought I would mention I'm I'm on like episode 80 of my podcast and I still don't have any sponsors either I started I actually had I had a sponsor and they they uh, offered a sponsor like uh, I don't even remember how many episodes and um, then they didn't pay me and so I was like oh I guess uh, I guess they're not sponsoring the show then I guess that you know I guess that uh, you know I, I guess that uh, I should have gotten that in writing or something I don't know and, uh,
0: you got the whole part where it says like you know I'll, I'll like, advertise your your product you just forgot the part where oh yeah, you have to pay me as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. Just, uh, just thought you were a really nice guy.
1: Mm-hmm, I thought, uh, yeah, like man, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they sent the check to the wrong Josh McKinney. <laughs> I don't really know what it was.
0: Possibly, or you just yeah. I, I, I imagine they just thought you were just a really nice guy who thought oh this this guy must really like our product He's just going to talk about us on our, on his podcast uh-huh. for nothing. <laughs> You're just a good person um so yeah uh, you run the i suck at jiu-jitsu show um so yeah quick like so what's your history in jiu-jitsu so you started roughly i know we talked about this on the uh, the podcast i appeared on i think you've been in jiu-jitsu probably about a year longer than i have
1: yeah so i started i started training like officially 13 years ago when i was a kid though um maybe like seven or eight years old uh my dad would buy the Gracie in action VHS tapes and we would watch them and we would do like Gracie jujitsu self-defense in our garage. <laughs> and uh, we did that for a few years. And so that was my first introduction into jujitsu, but, and, and, you know, we would roll, uh, the same way that other people would just kind of roll in their garage or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, but we never really went anywhere officially and started really training under somebody who actually knew jujitsu until, uh, uh, until I was 14 and that would have been, you know, 13 years ago. And, uh, so we started out, I started, my mom actually made me, I didn't want to do it. And, uh, I was overweight and she was like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to do something. You don't play any sports. You don't do anything. Uh, and, uh, so I went and tried, tried out, uh, jujitsu went my first class, just absolutely loved it and, uh, have been doing it ever since
0: um i think you've just aged yourself in the in the relation of the sport Concerning you you mentioned vhs and uh gracie in action uh videos uh-huh. um i imagine to most people from about purple belt down they have no idea what that means like so- let them the vhs part um, <laughs> so i'm sure you've probably heard about this anyone who's listened to this podcast but it's uh that was pretty much the the only way of getting any sort of like input back in the, uh, before 2010, like YouTube really wasn't a good place to come and get some, any content back in those days. So it was really VHS, maybe some, some privately, uh, hosted videos, maybe submissions 101
1: Mm if you're
0: feeling uh, fancy and books. Uh, and now there's, there's, god knows how many podcasts there's fanatics there's millions of jujitsu videos there's flow grappling i don't think you could get any more content these days but back when we started i mean i try and text my students now um i don't think you you it's almost like you know the good old days like you Mm -hmm. you don't know how hard we had it i had to try and figure everything out from a book
1: and man that was really my my first jujitsu book that we ever got uh we got uh I think it, I want to say I don't think it was mastering the twister. What did he do before? What did Eddie Bravo do before mastering the twister? Was it was it was, it, was mastering the rubber guard or something like? I, I don't think know, it was, was like mastering,
0: mastering the half guard or lockdown or something. It,
1: it was so it was what I bought was mastering the twister where he shows you a bunch of entries into twister Yeah. and then he doesn't show you how to finish it and he's like if you want to yeah. learn more about the twister <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by mastering the rubber guard and so we had both of those but. Uh, it, it was it was hard to come across techniques, right? Yeah, but yeah. now I guess they, they deal with like our students, uh, they deal with something different where it's not as hard to like come across techniques. It's hard to know which technique is good and which one is bad. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, you know, yeah. I see people post on social media all the time stuff and I'll watch it like, dude, that won't work. You know, there's no way that you would get that to work.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think like you've, you've touched on something there. Um, like you know, the people who were releasing books back, with, or you know, the VHS tapes when when we started out, were people who were you couldn't get more legit. It, you know, okay, Eddie Bravo, but also uh, Andre Garvao, like BJ Penn. It was like you know, guys who had really set the stage for what Jitsu was going to be. And now, any any flexible, fast person with an Instagram account can put up a, a thirty second video of them doing some sort of inverted magic. Mm -hmm. and people go for it and there's they get tens of thousands of of likes and views and then you have white belts suddenly rock up the following day trying to try that stuff out um yeah i think you've you've hit it there like it's almost like this this bite-sized social media has almost polluted jujitsu a little bit and we've got to try and find a way of scraping that pond scum out (laughs) I
1: agree. That's that's one of the hardest things with I actually had a conversation with one of my students last night. He was saying, I'm trying this arm lock and he he's showing me what it is. And he's like, and it's not working. I said, well, that's because it doesn't work, dude. Like you're trying something that doesn't work. And uh, so sometimes it's like it's really tough and you don't even think about, oh, this move doesn't work. Like I saw I saw somebody do it online, but they did it online to somebody who wasn't resisting and was, you know, like setting them up for the move. And so they're expecting it to work the same. And uh, that becomes the problem is, is it doesn't work the same. And I think it's, that can be another, you know, it's, it's just for us, we had to search out technique. We were just like, you know, any technique would work because we had so little technique you even, and it sounds crazy, but even in 2008 and 2009, um, there just wasn't a ton of stuff. Um, you know, you were still people we're showing heel hooks and your mind was blown, you know, mm. and even later on um, it was like that. And I think what happens is uh, that like that transition as there became more content, it became, well, what, what should I be, what should I be using? What, what should be the the content uh, that I should be trying to focus on?
0: Well, I think as well, this is quite an, uh, a weird, um, almost like history repeating itself here is that, I say the, you have these, like you know, quick, flashy things that don't work, and you almost—I I wouldn't want to try and compare it to a traditional martial art, so to speak. Like you know, there's obviously lots of Aikido where it looks flashy but it doesn't work, but that you can't really see where that came from. Like maybe further down the line in non-recorded history, I think the easiest way of like like comparing it to to something that happened more mod, uh, more recently, is the divergence from freestyle and and working wrestling to mm. wwe like you had a, a core uh principles and you've got a core grappling you know combat sport which does work uh and then because uh if you go back to say earlier 20th century 19th century you had carnivals and you had like traveling catch wrestlers and because it was a show and uh people want to see more flashy stuff uh just to keep people entertained that's when you had more professional wrestling show up Uh, and then there was that divergence so people wanted to do more flashy stuff which became eventually wwe wwf whatever and then you had the purists who kind of stayed on it was catch wrestling and freestyle and it's almost like the same thing has happened again in jiu-jitsu like people don't want to see the, the core uh i mean maybe i've set myself up in a weird terrible niche then that I do all the boring stuff in Jiu-Jitsu week, play completely still and talk about concept. And people just care about you know, mad, uh, inverted entries into heel hooks that never mm-hmm. work. Um, which is kind of sad, really. Maybe this, this second divergence is happening and we're currently watching it. Man, that's what I always,
1: I always tell, I, I talk about it on my podcast, I tell my students, uh, just in everything, you never watch a video that isn't movement, right? Um, every video we watch is like movement. You know, that's what catches our eye is is movement. And uh, the problem is when we're doing jujitsu, when when you or I are doing jujitsu, especially with somebody that we are like better than, we aren't moving very much. Uh, mm. You know, you're, you're not needing to. Uh, you don't need to be explosive. You don't need to use the energy. A lot of times they're moving where you want them to be anyway. Uh, and, you know, you are just, you're letting them waste energy by controlling them and stuff. And uh, figuring that out as a as a student of jujutsu is like it's, it's got to be so hard because I mean everything we see every video is a new move is a new technique mm-hmm. and uh, and it's so it I think it becomes hard to uh, like for instance uh, the is it it's the how to is it it's not how to escape everything's how to defend everything is it yeah how to yeah, yeah okay yes. Yeah, so,
0: how to defend everything yeah
1: yeah so that. You know, people see the title, they click on it, right? And then a lot of people go, "Oh my gosh, it's an hour!" You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have that much time, right? And so, yeah. um, but like, man, if you would have just filmed this is is a two minute video, then I would have watched it, right? But the you can't get that something as as deep of a concept across, as to how to defend everything and and the importance of it and actually teach people, unless it's like longer, but. Uh, it's kind of like you almost have to take a step back, I think, it, to learn jujitsu online now and to, to be really okay with studying it and saying, mm. uh, you know, I want to learn what really makes jujitsu work.
0: Well, this is uh, kind of then leads on to one, one of the questions I had like, planned, is that you obviously run the Isoca jiu-jitsu show. Was there any relationship between how you feel about jujitsu this way? like how the the online um mass market of information and why you started the podcast
1: yeah there was i i actually uh um so you know i had wanted to do something uh online if you if if you went to my instagram and like i i there's a ton of posts on my instagram mm-hmm. um but if you scrolled back far enough you would find that uh it wasn't jujitsu for a very long time. Like I was just posting like funny videos, like uh uh in stupid skit type stuff uh all the time. And uh um and I just and I kind of fell off that and I decided, man, I really would like to, as I got better, um, you know, like when I was really right when I was in Rump Brown belt, I was like, Man, I would really like to do something, I would like to put out some type of content when it mm-hmm. comes to jujitsu and it, it's really hard to, um, to put out content, because um, there's almost like an entrapment in, uh, in the jujitsu content world is uh, you sometimes you'll lose yourself, you'll lose what you were hoping to, uh, you know, to convey, right. So, mm. you know, for you, you're the concepts that you teach, like, what happens is you're teaching these concepts, and you get 300 400 I just I saw that you're over a thousand subscribers on your yeah YouTube. Finally. that's yeah yeah that's yeah. awesome getting that now yeah congratulations on thank that thank you but uh uh that is honestly that's trust me I on YouTube I've like 300 and something that's like the hardest thing people mm. follow me on Instagram all the time but like Instagram isn't monetized that it sucks <laughs> so um but you know like you start to you get to those thousand um YouTube video or those thousand subscribers and people are really loving what you are putting out and then mm. maybe you decide one day like oh i'm gonna put out uh, a video of me doing a barambolo back take and it gets a bunch of views and then what happens a lot of the time is you're like man you know i even though i don't really use this kind of jiu it's what's getting views that's so what i out. should be posting and man and so many people uh so many people that I, I see like that, that came up and, uh, and then all of a sudden they get a taste of, oh, this is what people actually like. And then they sell out. And uh, it, it, that's what was my big thought on, um, you know, I wanted to make the I suck at Jiu show on YouTube because um, uh, problem solving and like having a questioning mindset is one of the big things that I was, you know, preached to getting better. You know, all we're trying to mm-hmm. do is Um, every time we're doing jujitsu, is we're asking each other questions and see if the other person can answer them, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was kind of the idea. And I wanted to do it as a YouTube series. And um, I tried it. I did. I filmed like six episodes. And at the time, I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't understand enough about video. I didn't really enjoy it. And um, so I was like, I don't think that this is going to be it. And then the podcast uh, idea came about and I started to do the podcast and it was something that was easy for me to do. And I really enjoyed sitting down for an hour or two with people and just talking about Jiu-Jitsu. And mm. so that was really like where that whole idea was uh, uh, came from, from the Jiu-Jitsu is I was really afraid of, I really was afraid of being a sellout eventually because I saw what was getting views and, and things and so I figured if I could create a better brand uh, with talking about my ideologies of jujitsu and things like that then I could go into the video space which is really what I'm doing now um, which is what I'm yeah. trying to kind of start to do now
0: it's, it's, it always makes you laugh every time I, sp- uh, I speak to you we've, we've kind of like we're the, we're the across upon equivalents of each other because I, I, I was obviously been making the uh, YouTube content um for the uh like concepts i have rattling around my brain um and then trying to find ways of like making things that actually what people are interested in i've, I've one of the main ways that's kind of given me loads of interest for the well loads of ideas for content right now is I've, uh there's a, a discord channel which has got like a growing member base over the past like even two weeks it's like it's, it's growing daily and they keep giving me ideas. Oh, can you talk about this? And it's questions I would, probably would have never asked myself, but then on the flip side, that was kind of the, the purpose of this podcast was like, why not um, straight technical uh, information on jujitsu, but like a wider um, holistic lifestyle kind of understanding of jujitsu and um, I've just had uh, Charles Harriet on uh, last week because he he traveled around the world doing jiu-jitsu and I was like, how do you do that? Uh, then I had Preeton and it was, you know, how, did you, uh, how do you change your, your uh, coaching style, especially at a black belt level, to be more investigative instead of just churning out the same techniques to the same students? How do you then try and fix the holes that you can like, see in your own jiu-jitsu? Um, and so I can I know what you mean. It's it would be so easy just to, to I say sell out and do bear and back takes, leg locks, uh short clips on Instagram with um uh, more bombastic uh, podcasts. So it's it's funny you say these things. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what he means. It's mm-hmm. the same and, stuff here.
1: Yeah, and it's like uh, you know, you you're you're starting your podcast in and- you haven't, you know, in your first five episodes, you don't have a, you're not going after just like big fish of your podcast, right? You're going after people you want to talk to. And um, at first, like in my podcast, I really wasn't sure how to do it. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't even know who I should talk to. And I started to, you know, reach out to people and I talked to some good competitors and some bigger name guys. And it was weird that a lot of them, I think we're just a product of their environment and being really good athletes. And mm. so we would have in, and, and so this was, um, you know, I always finish each epi- episode uh, with how do you, how do you suck less at jujitsu? You know, it's the name of the show, you know, how do you, how do you suck less? And a lot of people, um, their answer was not very good. Uh, and it's not like me trying to talk bad about anybody. It just wasn't very, um, I don't know. It was almost as if certain people had never had to ask themselves, like, how do I get better? They were just able to just be there and, um, have good enough coaches and be good enough athletes. And so then as like, as I started to see that and I started to get to see who I really enjoyed talking to on the podcast and stuff, then I started to find guys like, uh, you know, like having a guy like you on, I was like somebody, um, somebody had sent me your, um, you know, one of your podcasts and I listened to it and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. I really want to, I think this would be really fun. And, you know, we had a really good conversation. I think we talked for like, like 45 minutes after the podcast was over too, just about (laughs) and stuff like that. Exactly. And so it was like, um, it, it was just, I think it was really, um, I think it was just really you know, cool to start to see that and see like, Oh, this is, this is what I, you know, like, obviously we're both with our podcasts. We're trying to get sponsors. We're trying to make money with your YouTube videos, the stuff I post on Instagram. Yeah. We're trying to make money, but, um, not at the cost of, of selling out it. Like, yeah. you know, we, we're trying to, for, uh, you know, for guys like you and I, we're trying to get out uh, our opinion, our thought that we think would help people a lot in the the art that we love.
0: No, exactly. And um, again, I think it's it's. Uh, I had a a good conversation because I do like a weekly thing of my my with my students, my brown belt, Naki. And um, one of the things we kind of posed, I think it was on the first one we did, was um, obviously we we come from more a more conceptual kind of ideology when it comes to uh, preaching and practicing jitsu. But of the merit of when you have uh, really good competitors and, and, and people who can just, like, clone their jiu-jitsu into people, as in you have these gyms where every student does exactly what the coach does and it's just a carbon copy left and right. And you have these guys, obviously, if you, you, know, you, can, if you can create a clone of a, a really good competitor, you're going to have really good competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing a bit of, like, devil's advocate on it, is that such a bad thing? Like they're winning. But is that what you want out of jiu Like, right, and that's that then became the the interesting sticking point is that um like you say, it's is it about sucking less at jujitsu or becoming a good competitor? I think those two things are not the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I agree. A competitive sport, you know, it's a sport that we play um i don't think being a competitor and being or sucking less at jujitsu. jitsu no, i don't I, you hit the nail on the head when you said um you can ask these great competitors you know why do you what advice can you give to suck less it's like i don't think they actually know because it's not the same question as what they got there in the first place mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's very true i think that that man that's I think that that is something that is important to note. Is uh, um, I, the the reason that we would want to have a deeper understanding of jujutsu is so that we can learn on our own, you know, uh, is so uh, which is something that you know someone like you has had to do, right? You've had to learn on your own, and so you needed a conceptual understanding of jujutsu. Uh, imagine what it would be like if you had a coach that like when you were coming up that just every time you had any question, you just said, Hey coach, what do I do here? He just shows you. Okay. And then you just put it in your game. And uh, Mm -hmm. you didn't need to learn anything else. You just, you just, you know, it was just question and answer and you're good, you know? And uh, I would, but I would argue um, one of my friends made this analogy before, um, but he, he talks about it. You know, he was saying like, you know, you, if you always have food, you're probably not going to be a very good hunter, you know, but he said, when you're, when you're starving, you know, those are the people that are good hunters and that really understand. And, uh, and he said, you know, you can't, once they learn that you don't, you can't take it away from them. And it's the same thing with, uh, with jiu with, with learning how to actually get good at jujitsu. Once you start to learn how to get good, uh, that can't be taken away from you. If, even if you go to a great training room, then you still know how to get good and uh, yeah. it's even more helpful to be in that great training room.
0: I think that's, that's I said, that's an interesting, then, um, cause I recently had a conversation with my, one of my purple belts and they were asking, uh, like, what do I need to do to get, you know, the brown belt? Uh, and I said, don't just be a technique collector, understand like in the, in the conversation of a role, um, how to actually, you know, answer, uh, the questions that I'm posing to you by actually thinking of the answer, not just um, bringing one back from memory. Like, oh, this is the answer to this, but you don't know why. Um, again, I think it's maybe an issue that there's, there's so much information readily available that people haven't had to think as much. They can just take an answer, uh, which uh, there wasn't that option as much when I was starting out, there wasn't. If you, want, like, if you thought, oh, I need to go look at, I need a new half guard pass. So I'm gonna go on the internet and look for a new half guard pass. There's maybe one other video you hadn't seen. And I was like, okay, this is not an answer for me then. I need to figure out something else entirely with uh-huh. this. Um, but now it's like, there's, there's a million different instructors showing a million different half guard passes. And you just, oh, this will work next time. You have no idea why it works though.
1: That, man, that's, that's so true. Uh, let me ask you this though. So you, um, you I think that you would probably consider yourself like a conceptual teacher, correct? That would be, um, would you, how, if you had to put it into words, how do you come across concepts? Like, how do you, um, how do you get to like a, a concept the, you know whether it's a position or you know it's uh the the i was just watching your video uh, about inside guards and outside guards where did like are you in the shower and that comes into your head or is it training or are you trying to think of it how does how do those usually come to you
0: um most of the concepts i have are from teaching white belts day one beginners but mm-hmm. like how how can i streamline this information to you so i don't want I've almost set my my stall up as I don't want to just carbon copy jujitsu over to you. I just want to give you the tools from here. How do I explain these tools to you? I think from there, um, how to do it repeatedly, because I, I don't shirk off. Uh, you know, to the the blue belts, or the purple belts, or the brown belts. I'll go take these beginners. Like if there's ever a class on like, and we've got some newbies in, I'll have the brown belts go run like advanced drills. I'll take the beginners and then I've got to try and explain to these beginners like okay here's here's the the reason why this exists and when you've got someone who has no idea about jujitsu, that like you've really got to understand your um, your field deeply to explain it to a, a non person mm-hmm. um, I mean uh, so your gym back home like how how do you uh what's kind of your your methodology of bringing in new people
1: uh like getting what,
0: them what to understand yeah, yeah so you say you've got a a brand new person then if that's the way i i've kind of settled on. so what do you do that's different as in when you have a new person come in like how do you go about explaining that jiu- like your jujitsu to them or like try and bring them up to scratch faster
1: So at my gym, I kind of like a, a a formula for teaching. Um, Hmm. I don't, man, it's, I think it's really hard for people to get much, um, to, to understand really in depth of jujitsu, uh, at least start to understand what jujitsu really is. Uh, even, even before a year of training, you know, like, Hmm. like if somebody really starts to understand it before a year, they're, they're probably a, a pretty Quick learner, right? And so, how I have my um, my classes broke down, and I only teach. I teach at my school three days a week. Um, mm. I have uh, uh, my dad is a black belt. He teaches two days. Um, I have another black belt that teaches with me, and then I have a a purple belt that that's been teaching um, some of the classes. And you know, we have a bunch of classes, but we all stay on the same. Uh, position for a month. Okay. So yeah. let's say that that position is closed guard. Um, and we'll do two weeks of top, like two weeks of, of dealing with it from top, opening the closed guard, passing the closed guard, two weeks of breaking posture, creating angles and, and finishing from the closed guard. And so, and then we actually, uh, like I said, we spend a month on each of them. We only work five positions, Okay. Mm. So we only work, I a lot of people would consider we only work at our gym basics. We do not have, um, advanced class, advanced class for us is our guys training live and then asking questions to each other, to the coaches. What happened there? What could I have done better there? How could I figure this out? Right. Um, I think that that's when they really start to create their own game after that first year. Um, but, you know, we do five positions, so we'll have five months of those same exact five positions in order. Then our sixth month is a miscellaneous month. So let's say um, the miscellaneous, we're going to do leg locks, right? I'm these guys, you know, I want them to have a little bit better of an understanding of the leg locks. Where there's a tournament coming up that, um, you know, and I don't feel comfortable with some of them getting their legs ripped off or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's the first six months, and then your next six months, we're going to go through, or at least your next five months, we're going to go through those same five positions again. And I always find the second time is when, you know, cause these people have still been rolling live. They've been getting in these yeah, positions. Yeah. They've been told things. Um, usually they're told the exact same things again, um, mm-hmm. six months later on that same position. And that's when all the aha moments start to come into play. And they're like, Oh, you know, I, I get what, you know, I get what you mean about elbow knee space when I'm inside control. Now I get, I mm-hmm. get why that's important. You had said it a bunch, but I couldn't even apply it then. And so that's kind of how I, uh, you know, that's kind of how I run mine. And I used to try to do, you know, kind of here's the beginner stuff. Here's the advanced stuff. Um, And I kind of stopped catering to my advanced guys and kind of said, hey, I, when, by the time you're like a mid-level blue belt, you should know how to learn, you know, and you Mm. always have access to all, you know, we have quite a few higher belts. You always have access to those guys. Everybody's very good about helping. Um, but that's how I've run mine for the last like three and a half years now. And when I switched from that, like, cause I was, it was random at first. Like um, it was, I was still trying to find how I like to teach and, and oh. things, but it was still very random. Um, when I found like just keeping that formula of only working the same five positions, and then having a miscellaneous month, staying on them for long periods of time. Um, if I break it down even further, I teach each class. Um, we work three moves and one concept that will cover that is shown in those three moves. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, like the reason I, I do that. So like, uh, you know, uh, for instance, we're, you know, we were going over half guard like last week. So we were like, okay, so, Um, you know, half guard, I, I, I brought up how you had the inside guards and the outside guards, Mm. because I had something, I have something similar that I've been kind of messing with too. And, um, you know, like I call all the half guards, split leg guards. Um, and you know, like the rule, like the big conceptual rule of the split leg guards is that we have four points on our back. We have two shoulders and two butt cheeks. Mm -hmm. Four of those points cannot be on the the ground at the same time. Only two of them can be on the ground at the same time. So if we're playing butterfly, we're sitting on both butt cheeks, right? You know, if we're playing, and so like just learning that and, uh, you know, teaching that concept and I show three moves that apply to that three moves that show that this concept works. And so even if maybe some of the guys don't like any of the moves, at least they have absorbed the concept of, well, when I am in half guard, when I'm flat on my back, this is, this is bad. You know, even if they don't know a great way to get out of that. Um, they at least know the fight. They at least know that goal. Um, but that's, like I said, that's how I've been teaching for uh, for a while now at my gym. And I've really, I've had more success with competitors and um, I really noticed that guys seem to get better on their own so much more now.
0: Yeah. Well, i say, I mean, we've, we've pretty much, again, reached uh, similar conclusions. I think maybe I'm just a bit more... Uh, I don't know, like a hippie or something in my gym, like I will not teach techniques, you have to just learn concepts um, and figure it out from there. But like I say it's, it's that trying to arm, arm people with the uh, ability to do sums, than just giving them sums to practice. Instead uh-huh. um, of so just like return, like if you ask them uh, a math question, they just return a, a memory of a question they'd done previously. It's actually, know how do you actually figure out? Um, these maths questions um have you found that like doing the podcast and talking to the number of coaches you have has that affected how you've teach how uh, how, how you teach as that have you taken information from the podcast like incorporated that into uh, your style yes very much um i uh
1: you know like i'm trying to think of what would be one of the simplest ways, you know, I always recommend to my students, like listening to if I ever do a podcast that like, I really feel like people would learn something from, I always mm-hmm. recommend uh, doing that. Because a lot of times we will talk you know, on the podcast, just about little concepts, just little things that, uh, um, you know, a lot of times with a concept, you already know it, it's just never been put into words. You mm-hmm. know, you it's never been explained to you that way. And then and then it makes sense and then it you know it's, it's much easier to use um but that's happened quite a few times on my um, on my show I, I specifically you you know you uh and i uh did an episode of, man it, it was probably like four months ago or something like that it, maybe yeah, I, think I don't it know I'm just, it
0: might have been like middle of the year or something like summertime oh
1: okay so then um yeah like so easy. we Man, that's, man, it was longer ago than I thought. Uh, but uh, so we do a, we do, um, you and I do an episode and, uh, you know, like just, I noticed even without sitting down and thinking like, man, I'm really going to add this. Um, I found myself even more than usual talking about the elbow knee space and explaining the elbow knee space, right? Because like a lot of times with a concept, when it's the concept that's in the back of your mind you're just relating that so much. Like you're just mm. pushing your students towards that. Like, yeah, well that's, you know, why were you in this triangle? Well, because they got your their foot on your hip, you know, and like, shouldn't have, you should not have let, you got to control, you got to close your elbow knee space there. And, you know, well, they ask, how do you do it? And I said, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? And then they mm. start to figure it out. Right. And so there are a lot of times on the podcast uh, that I've had that, Uh, A lot of times, uh, you know, I do have a lot of competitors at my gym. A lot of times when it comes to competition, uh, you get people that have some really good mindsets on competing. And so I will always kind of push and recommend my students like, hey, you know, check this out. This might be really helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think too, you know, it's specific because maybe I have like an older guy on the show and he's talking about what it's like to train injured or something like that, and I'll tell some of my older guys like, hey, you have know, been dealing with this, this guy would be good for you to listen to.
0: Hmm. no I think it, again circles around to I think something you probably mentioned on the last one is um you ha you are from like a more new age uh mentality when it comes to this sport. I mean you, this a lot of what you're saying if you're if you to explain this to like a Traditional, um, I don't know, rag and karate or whatever guy. You know, ten years ago, this seems so alien. This idea that you can you can uproot everything about what you do as a style on new information instead of it being um, at the at the uh, almost like gospel of you know, this was written, this is how it was told, this is how it was passed to me, and you will pass it down to your students, and this, that, and the other. Um, I mean, you had still some of that with uh, with older, maybe, um, styles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, where, you know, first lesson, close guard, uh, you know, um, no leg locks, you know, maybe ankle locks, you know, and if you go for a leg lock from guard, you're scum. Um, mm. And uh, geese only and have to be white and it's like that's all you know and, and you have to bow to a picture of Elio at the beginning uh, <laughs> there's some of those obviously still exist and you know, I do come across some of them now and then um, but you tell me like yeah, obviously you speak to uh, a lot more people than I do um, or maybe uh, we just attract the right people do you find that jujitsu is moving more into that direction now? As in, you have like yourself who's who's teaching more, a uh, like you've almost admitted that you, even at Black Belt, you don't know everything. I and mean, then there's that vulnerability to your students, like, I'm going to get better. Like, um, do you feel that jujitsu is going that way? Do you feel that uh, there is more innovation now, or do you feel that, that it's just kind of like, going to happen then rebound or um just trying to find a better way of explaining it uh do you feel that it's it's going to carry on this kind of level of innovation or do you feel there's going to hit a point where um it it'll feel like we've we've moved too far away from what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu kind of was and we have to like stick to those kind of styles which think there'll be a divergence. You'll have more innovative styles and more traditional styles and there'll be a bull.
1: So um, this is just my, my opinion on it that I think what's going to happen first uh, is I think uh, it is going to, it's going to split more than it has. Mm. Um, there was kind of a, a, a split in Jiu Jitsu and you hear about this less and less you see people online, at least, at least for me, I see people uh, less and less online talking about, um, the the self-defense versus competitive jujitsu um, yeah. that that i feel like was more when we were starting yeah. oh right um and uh i think like you know as you get to 2014 15 16 you really stopped hearing about that as much now you know i don't really i mean i i have like facebook ads that people mm. will comment on and be like well yeah you how would you defend against a stomp to the head
0: yeah dude i yeah. don't
1: I don't even want to talk to you, but uh, oh, <laughs> like, God. um, like that was kind of you know, that there was that. I think you know, we kind of had two separate groups, but mm. now, um, uh, even even like I mean, I have friends that have uh, you know, like uh, uh, Gracie Academy schools, and you know, they're teaching guard passing, right? Which really wouldn't make a lot of sense if you were self defense only because who's playing guard in a street fight, right. That you're getting in a fight with. And so yeah. um, you, you just had, you know, it just made sense to have to have some level of competitive jujitsu because to get better, you have to resist what your training partners are doing. And so that it just, it is bound to happen. Right. Um, so with uh, kind of like, I, I, I guess um, with the styles of teaching Um, you know, and, and, uh, just, I think like, uh, I, I see like flow grappling tries to push it as the American jujitsu movement. Um, I think that there probably will be a little more, um, push to, Hey, choose a side, uh, either you're bowing to the picture of Elio, uh, before each class or, um, you worship Gordon Ryan. Right. And they're going to try to push that more. Um, have that uh, kind of, I think, difference. And then what'll happen, I think, is eventually it'll start to come back together. It'll start to evolve. And I think jujitsu will just be jujitsu. And um, I think that it will be, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen competitively. People are going to see, hey, the schools that that allow their students to cross-train and don't claim to have super secrets anymore are doing better than the schools that like never cross train with anybody. Everybody trains with the same style. Everybody does the exact thing as the coach. Um, and eventually it, people will adapt or die. But I think we're a little bit away from that happening.
0: I think actually you kind of say that like, you know, bow to a, a picture of Elio about to a picture of Gordon Ryan. You could probably just put that as gee and No gi. as yeah. in, you know, you say that the, the, the up until maybe six, seven years ago, before uh, you had these personalities really coming through in the no scene, like Craig Jones, Gordon, Gary. Uh, uh, obviously, you had, like, you know, some personalities back in those days. So you had, like, uh, Eddie Bravo and uh, a few, but mostly all the good no-gi guys were gee guys. So there wasn't mm-hmm. really a split between the, the two. Like, Eddie was kind of seen as a um, anomaly um, but now because you have all these these uh, guys coming through Nogi are so technical the leg lock game, it's almost left Nogi Jiu Jitsu as irrelevant and I think that's why you, you suddenly had this kind of knee jerk reaction from the IBJJF of oh no we're going to let you do leg locks now at mm-hmm. whatever level it, it eventually turns out to be because there has been that sudden schism of uh these personalities kind of driven this this new especially you know when you when you then want to see what made them this way so you hear Lacklin talking you hear Danaher talking uh like you know and they're they're quite conceptually driven as well as, as coaches. Um yeah I think you kind of touched on it there like you know the uh you do have this split already of of Jiu Jitsu which is maybe in some ways uh go maybe try and hold on to the traditional side of things and then like anti-leg lock almost. And then, um, just go Nogi. It's just going to go nuts. Like Nogi Jiu Jitsu, like Nogi IBJJF. If it didn't have the leg lock introduction, I think would just be the most irrelevant part of this sport. Like completely mm-hmm. like why no one would train it at all.
1: It, man. I think that that is, uh, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's going to mesh, a lot more i think that they will probably i think that they'll probably always keep um reaping and heel hooks out of the gi uh for the ibc jeff yeah. but i think that uh you know seeing that i mean just seeing how much uh, a few guys getting heel hooks how much that changed the ibc jeff the ibc jeff would have never allowed people oh, yeah. to do heel hooks.
0: Right. You go back, and you go back to like our days, you said, Oh yeah, BJ Jeff got like heel hooks. Like no. no. Yeah.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. And, and <laughs> now they do, you know? And so, um, you know, I think that that's going to keep happening, but uh, I do think that there is going to um, there is going to be still a big push towards um, us against them. What they're doing is, not the, re- the, the, um, the gi guys are boring and looking for advantages. All the no gi guys do is leg locks. I think that there's going to be a push towards those things. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I think it's eventually, I think that it will mesh together again, but, uh, it's just, I think as humans, we just love choosing sides mm-hmm. and saying like this side is relevant and this side is not, this is right. And this is wrong.
0: Well this is gonna be then like again because I, I love your 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 um uh, how you, you you work on on these ideas and like how you are uh more philosophical with your jujitsu than than straightforward just like no technique only. How do you then uh marry the two ideas together that you're gonna have these two even in jiu-jitsu, you're gonna have these two very distinct styles even in the same gym you're going to have gi which is um IBJJF no reaping no whatever and no gi which is now an entirely different sport yet it still falls under the same flag how do you go about teaching that in the same gym how do you marry those two ideas together when they are becoming two different sports will we see it become two different styles of gyms i
1: i don't know i think uh Um, I really think that the best way, this is just in my opinion, like on how I try to handle it at my gym, uh, because I, you know, like, I think anyone smart has, has been able to see this coming for a few years that some of these no-gi got no-gi only guys were doing much better competitively in no-gi. Um, and so the, the whole argument of, oh, um, if you train in the gi, you'll be, you'll be the best no-gi guy. Uh, that that's obviously been shown to not be true because you have guys that are winning ADCC that never train in the gi anymore, you know? And yeah. so uh, what i found is like the way to combat it, at least for me right now is having concepts that work through both, right? Uh, yeah. Having um, that's really, I think, uh, I think that's really why I have, you know, as a coach, I have, been pushed more towards conceptual teaching is because uh i have certain i have some guys that are big and police officers and they are Mm -hmm. trying to use jujitsu to apprehend someone uh Mm -hmm. and then in the same class i have someone who is small and a competitor and he's trying to use jujitsu to you know win competitions and so how do you how can you teach both of those i don't think that just having a one size fits all. This is how I do jujitsu. This is how you should do jujitsu. I don't think that that is, I don't think that's the way to do it. Uh, I think the way to do it is to show them why things work and then allow them to start to create their own, um, you know, create their own jujitsu and create their own, I guess, uh, uh games in jiu-jitsu and so i think that is still going to be the way i think i think there may be a day like for my gym specifically that i will have someone that is maybe the full-time nogi coach maybe if they're really really focused on it um but uh you know a lot of my guys that are pretty heavy nogi still enjoy coming in and training in the gi and so yeah. it's just uh you know, as of right now, I haven't had to do that, but I wouldn't be surprised if one day in the future that is just how I had to adapt. You know, uh, my gym.
0: Well, this is what I, it's really interesting, like hearing you talk. Um, and this is one of the main reasons that I, I, I kind of, even those podcasters know, I really want to to get you on early. Is again, your 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 approach to all this and your adaptability into ju- in in judo is that. You, you, I've seen the same issue I've had. And you've gone the exact same way with it. Is, you know, I've had to, I've had uh, dormant bouncers come to me and say, right, how do I just throw some dude away who's, who's being an ass at the club? But then you've also got guys who just want to compete in guys who aren't competing, competing no geek of leglocks. How do you, yeah, especially when there's, there's such a, you know, a, a, a rift in between those three things. Mm-hmm. Like, Back in, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like you say, you know, when it was Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was self-defense with some competition, Nogi was all run by guys. So I, mean, I actually remember, I think the year, you could almost like pinpoint a year when everything changed, and it was 2013. is because back in 2011, I went to the ADCC because it was in, in the UK, in Nottingham, which isn't far from where I am right now. And the winners of that ADCC were Gavao, guy. Braulio, Gi-Guy. Uh, Marcelo was there, Gi-Guy. Uh, Jafa Mendez, guy Then you had 2013 come around, and half those guys disappeared. And all of a sudden, you had these different names coming through. Uh, and then 2015, 2017, um, those no gi guys start to appear more. And then Polaris, Metamaris, and all those started to come through. And it's like, right, wow, this is a whole new game. So you always put, put it down to that single year. Like, Jiu-Jitsu just changed. Um, the old guard kind of retired, uh, and so yeah, pre 2013, it was gi that was it. You had uh, because gi would solve your no gi, gi would solve your self defense. It's like that one hat ruled all, and now there's been such a, a, a rift in between these three different things that people want. Like, how do I look after myself in a, in a social environment? How do I? fight in the gi without breaking any of these arbitrary rules then how do I fight in no gi and get to the ADCCs like I'm only one man teaching only one club I'm like what am I supposed to do <laughs> um, and so having to find answers that answer fundamental grappling questions seems to be the most logical way through instead of seeing them all as different even though they've kind of branched out on their own little ways um, and I say it's just really interesting here you talk about these that you've kind of seen the same thing like you just said like you know you've got, you've got you know super small guys who are competing then you've got really big guys who just were uh, police officers like exactly how do you manage all those needs and you adapt and you you've hit the same the same conclusion that I have conceptually like because grappling is grappling no matter which rule set applies um which is always something that, you know, I try and explain to my guys, is that if you understand the fundamental laws of grappling, the only thing that ever changes is the rule set. That you have this great big mold, which is the art of grabbing another human, and then say, oh, but this time we're going to just grab the upper body and then your clothes, and all of a sudden it morphs into judo, or I'm going to grab, I can grab any part of you, uh, but I can't submit you, I have to put you on your back and it morphs into wrestling and then you have oh, I can grab any part of you, I can take you to the ground but you can still fight back and oh, it morphs into jujitsu, but it's still just grappling it never changed and I think it's just pushing us more now to understand that kind of style versus art kind mm-hmm. of conversation um, and yeah it's just like, you know, it's, it's fun to, to have someone who is you know, five thousand miles away and five hours behind me, um, hitting the six. exact who knows? ideas. Yeah, who knows? We're gonna find yeah. out one day when I fly there, and we're like, "Yeah, yeah I'm... I'll give you the feedback of how rough <laughs> <Yeah>. it was." <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's
1: that is something that is something that is really uh, that, that's really cool when it comes to jujutsu. Is uh, is it teaches you to problem solve? Right. Um, I think that that is the mindset that I probably look at everything in my life through. That's the lens that I look everything in my life through is asking myself, what is wrong? And how do I fix it? How do I figure it out? And uh, for some reason, though, a lot of jujitsu guys, uh, they miss that really valuable lesson. And so when they are losing to leg locks in jujitsu tournaments. Well, it's because leg locks are stupid. It's not because this person just has a deeper understanding of leg locks. Um, and so, I think it's important as we, you know, do jujitsu. You know, like that's that's kind of you know, As you said, we both kind of came to the same or very similar conclusions uh, when it comes to teaching jujitsu because we're running into the same problems, And so, uh, I, it's interesting to me that at least that I hear about less people run into that problem, less people, more people are, uh, you know, are still okay with, Hey, this is how things have always been. And so we will not try to, you know, we're not going to try to fix it. Things are good. Um, but I think the more that you get people that, uh, um, have different teaching styles and have different uh, 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 ways of explaining things. Uh, I really think, um, and have different concepts that they're showing. I really think that you know, as we're kind of back to the last question, I really think that it will be how jujitsu is, how jujutsu is uh, is shared and learned and consumed one day. At least I hope. I think that would be really cool.
0: Um. I think you also kind of like considering the, the, the title of your podcast is uh, you know, I suck at Jiu Jitsu. And the final question you always ask is how do you suck less? At, how do I suck less at Jiu Jitsu? How do you suck less at Jiu Jitsu? I think it's kind of fun that you've kind of circled around onto the, the, the main crux of Jiu Jitsu there of, you know, you've kind of answered your own question on my podcast. So I'm going to like steal this. Uh, so anyone listening, like, you know, Josh sold his own podcast, so I get to steal this one. Um, become a pro. Don't focus on the fact that Jiu-Jitsu, of what jujitsu is, from a a obvious point of view of uh, it's uh, you know this this martial art is the art of problem solving, and that's all it is. is and if you can get over that as a white belt and, and get over the glitz and glamour, the, the short Instagram videos and get over the stylistic differences of self fancy and nogi and, no and leg locks and no leg locks and, uh, answering, trying to find answers to infinite questions that you might want to ask your coach. It all boils down to that exact one thing. This is just problem solving and the better problem solver I become, the closer I get to black belt. Because then, mm-hmm. by the time I actually become a really good problem solver, I will be a black belt.
1: man, that that is that really is all that it is. is just trying to uh, is just trying to be a good problem solver, good at question and answer. And then when you be- start to become a good problem solver, problems aren't bad anymore. Uh, when I run into uh, a problem in uh, my business, when I run into a problem in one of my business, when I run into uh, COVID outbreak, and it happens. And now I have to close my gym down. I wasn't excited about that. But there was a level of interest of, huh, how are my wife and I going to eat? How are we going to do this? How are we going to make money? What could I do to really start to uh, w- what can I do to really start to uh, grow from this? How can I yeah. solve this problem, right? And it wasn't, uh, you You run into so much less panic in life if you just look at things from the perspective of like, oh, I'm a problem solver. And uh, sometimes like I run into problems and I am excited about like, oh, this sucks. What am I gonna learn from this? This is gonna be yeah. interesting. And uh, I think that's something that if more people in jujitsu looked at you know the guy that always submits them mm. and didn't say well you know he just beats me you know this sucks he's just stronger than me and they stopped making a, an excuse and they started to make it the thought process of what could i do maybe maybe i can't beat him yet but what could i do to just to just keep him from submitting me or just keep him su- from submitting me for a minute longer than usual mm. and you know and just starting to look at that and, and uh, starting to take those big problems and solve them uh slowly i think would be huge
0: oh completely and like i say it's, it's i think getting to that point of of your growth in this sport and your your point of your 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 jiu-jitsu career where you actually do make the realization that it's i think that it can be tied into all kind of uh aspects of it i mean the main thing that you always hear is is relax like you know every white belt asks you know What's the best advice you can give me? He said, relax. And I think saying be a better problem solver is the same answer. Is It's, uh, it's not your physicality that's the problem. It's you're not mentally examining the problem enough. Um, and I think if you can hit that point, then you will have to relax because your body isn't needed anymore. Um, but then once you kind of get... Exp- uh, more and more experience in problem solving. Like I say, this carries on to the rest of your life. That there aren't many things then that aren't you can't approach with a jiu-jitsu mindset. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this in the in the last podcast, but uh, professionally, I'm a firefighter. That's my day job, and it's a it's a very similar realization. And as a firefighter, it's not uh, you know you're a you're a monkey go- who goes to put wet things on hot things you are a problem solver someone comes to you with a problem like this has happened solve it and you have a toolbox and you have your your toolbox of concepts and i've actually i, I roughly started both these things at the same time you know, 12 years ago and it's amazing how much my uh as my jujitsu improved my abilities as a firefighter improved and they coexist there's a correlation as to why one improved because of the other Um, it was interesting like trying to figure out like a um, overarching topic for this this uh, conversation and I thought I had it down when I first said to you like this is what I want to talk about Um, and uh, I said to you before this started I was going to be vastly off the mark. Like me and you were just going to go out to left field and just like rant on about random stuff. And I like how we've we've, we've settled on after everything, like the VHS tapes and the, the the schisms in the sport and the the bitterness we have to the the uh, abundance of information there is these days. Like and what we and you know why we we started doing what we've both done of YouTube channels and. Podcasts and Instagram and everything like you know, money aside, we're just trying to make people better problem solvers, and we're just trying to find better ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite a, a sweet kind of um, title to this whole thing. Like, what's what's this conversation with Josh about? To try figure out how to make you a better problem solver so any 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 belt listen to this, try to think of where they are in their jiu-jitsu and how to actually get better at it um, ignore the techniques, ignore the Instagram, ignore all the madness that you have surrounding you just become a better problem solver look at the problems you have uh, don't look at it in a flat um, nonsensical way of I need just more techniques like no why? What is the actual problem? And if you can look at it that way, I'm pretty sure you just become me and Josh eventually. You just morph into us. And eventually we <laughs> just have this like screen of a like gallery of people of like, all of like, it's almost like the meteorites, like just agents. <laughs> it's like loads of them appearing up on the screens.
1: I, man, I think that that is, I, I really think that that is. Pretty much, even though I w- may use different analogies, it's pretty much all I, I talk about on my podcast is all I talk about to my students is, is, is trying to, uh, you know, it's a, you know, I always call it question and answer, you know, like you mm-hmm. we're, first, we're trying to ask the right questions. It's hard uh, to ask the right yeah. questions at first, because if you walked into jujitsu school and you had never trained, you would ask really uh, questions that really are, they're, they're not a big deal. What you know, which, what should I wear? What, what is this? Well, this is guard. What is guard, Mm -hmm. you know, right. And you can't, you can't be in depth yet with your questions. Um, but first you're, then you're trying to learn how to ask the right questions. That's always something that's really exciting is when a student comes in and says like, Oh, uh, why do they keep getting, um, into this space? Why do they keep getting me flat here? And like, Oh, that was a good question. That Mm -hmm. wasn't, that wasn't a, uh, that wasn't a question that was so broad, like, how do I stop losing? And it wasn't a question that was so specific, like, what should I do with this grip, right? Uh, because it, it, you need to find that balance. If it's too specific, then you, um, you only answer one question. You know, if it's too broad, then you can't answer anything. But if you can find that, like, sweet spot, then you, you give them the answer, and then it's a, it's a lesson that they can use in other spots, um, but I would say too, when it comes to problem solving, the biggest mistake that I see besides excuse making is that people are afraid to not have the answers in any situation, right? Um, because like mm-hmm. when uh, I don't know if if schooling is the same for you guys, but for us, it is uh, you take tests and it if you if you, or get the answers right. Then you go on to your next grade. If you get the answers wrong, well, you're staying, you're staying at in the same school. You're yeah, staying at sixth I'm, grade. I'm right. Sure
0: the same kind of like style of teaching over in this yeah. country.
1: And so you get that and you get to this, we teach kids that it is wrong to not know. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You had the lesson plan. How did you not know? You know, you failed. Now you have to take school over. Um, and, and you have to retrain people and just say, okay, not only is it okay to not know, you need to find comfort not knowing certain things. Mm. Uh, because if, you know, if not, you're going to create a really small world where you know everything, right? Well, I know everything from here. So that's all that matters, you know, in jujitsu and in life. But uh, I think people understanding um, that uh, it is okay to not know, and that should produce Kind of the best questions and uh, the best problem solving that you can, I think is, that's something that could be so helpful to people is just understanding like, oh, it's, it's okay that you, it's okay that you're a black belt and you keep getting finished with this straight ankle lock. Now mm-hmm. you need to know, don't try to say it's because leg locks don't work or don't try to say it's because of an injury or anything. Just learn how, just say, okay, I don't understand this yet. And then learn how to
0: understand it i think that's quite interesting like you said that then is that um you know if you're a black belt who's getting submitted by ankle locks or, or whatever is black belts were very few and far between when i started like you had to travel uh quite a distance to go find one and now there's three in my town um and so to meet one and submit one as a colored belt i was like am i god now do I, do, I, do I get the black belt? Um, but that there is that that's the difference between a, um, a black belt and a colored belt is that the black belt will then look at the ankle lock and problem solve the shit out of it. And it won't happen again. Like hmm? natural athlete or not, it'll just it'll be gone. And because they can look at it, that problem holistically uh, yeah, the, the purple world who gets stuck in an ankle lock probably isn't going to ask the same questions or look for the same answers. Um, again, that goes back to how do you suck less at jujitsu? Like, the the black belt isn't someone who could be athletically better, like the average, you know, gym black belt, but it's definitely someone who can like problem solve and fix that part of jujitsu. Um, and I just love, like, you know, again, it's where this is, this is all kind of condensed down to in this podcast is this idea that um, how do you suck less at jujitsu? Now, this is pretty much going to be the, the, the title of this one. Uh, you know, I suck at jiu-jitsu podcast goes to, to villain cast. How do you suck less? Just to become better at problem solving and asking the right questions. And that's what makes the difference between a white belt and a black belt. Athletic or not, it's not about how good you are as a competitor or how good are athletically or any of those questions you don't have to go lift more or uh do any of those kind of nonsensical physical things i mean the amount of time i i waste the amount of time i wasted in my 20s thinking that i got better i'd get better jujitsu if i went on more sprints like no no that was a dumb idea
1: um, yeah, imagine imagine if you spent that time doing jujitsu
0: or just like thinking of jujitsu <laughs> just sitting at home thinking about it and not just like oh i need to know more techniques just like really deep thinking about it i probably would have got better i probably would have like done it in half the time like how stupid of me um <laughs> to finish up with then um obviously covid restrictions are easing now depending on when you've when people listen to this they may already be gone um What's your plans for this coming year? What, where do you, th- what do you think will happen in regards to the world of jujitsu? Do you think it will uh, just rebound instantly, or do you think there's going to be uh, an over saturation of people who suddenly looked at the sport and think, "Oh man, I wish I'd done that when I could have," or nothing noticeable?
1: So, uh, let me say, start with this. I can at least go with what's what's happening now at my school, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so technically, technically speaking, it's still illegal to be <laughs> doing jujitsu, but yeah. it is not, um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's getting to a point of, um, and we, we were doing it. Don't get me wrong. We were doing it when it was super illegal and it was like, you're going to get tickets. You're going to go to jail. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I have some police officers at my gym that were like, "Hey, you'll be good. Don't worry about it. We'll just keep the blinds closed. You'll be fine." <laughs> and uh, um, Not to incriminate we, anyone.
0: Uh, huh? Not to incriminate anyone or anything, like you know. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <Didn't happen.
1: laughs> it did, yeah, it did. Yeah, it, that, that didn't happen. But anyway, uh, uh, so you know, as things have kind of, I would say they've eased up um, in how much people care in my area right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, I have a lot of people that are really excited to just do something. And mm-hmm. I have actually, normally I like run ads at my gym and I have not run any ads. Cause I, I mean, it's illegal. So I'm trying to not run ads for something that's illegal yeah, yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I haven't run any ads and the amount of people that I've come in, had to come into my gym, just walk in and say, Hey, I want to try this, uh, has been really, really big. It's been a lot more really? than, yeah, it really has. Um, and I think it's because I think there's still a percentage of people that are, um, still very afraid. I think there's a percentage of people that will get vaccinated and still won't go outside. Um, yeah. I think that that is going to happen, but I don't think that that percentage is fifty percent. I think that percentage is very small. I think most people, um, a, a lot of people, look at it as they lost a year of their physical life. Um, you know, their their life that they would be able to do something physically, and they have sat at home and thought about, man, I could have went and tried tried out jujitsu like I always wanted to, and now it's not available. And then when it becomes available again, I think that people are going to jump on it. Just like, uh, um, you know, they do it in sales sometimes where they take the offer yeah. off the table and they say, no, the house is sold. And you're like, man, I would have given you so much more money for that house. And like, yeah. Oh, well the house is back on. And uh, you know, it's like, I think it's the same. I think that's going to happen um, with a lot of different people. I really think jujutsu will get a spike uh, and the amount of people doing it because people sat home all day they listened to Joe Rogan and Jocko talk about jujitsu, yeah. and um, and now they're saying hey well now maybe we could start to maybe we could start to I could try this out as soon as I can and when the opportunity presents itself I think a lot of people are going to jump on it
0: that's gonna be really interesting yeah I think Again, it's, I love watching all your stuff on Instagram. You're probably the most optimistic person in jiu-jitsu. The happiest up on Instagram. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think I've reached a similar conclusion of, like, the amount of interest I have and messaging, even from, like, students I haven't heard in, like, four or five years who disappeared off the map. All of a sudden, they're just messaging me, like, oh, "When when's it reopening? I'm like, I have no more information than you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has made me quite optimistic for the uh, the future. I think there'll be a, a, a great rebound uh, on the way. Um, benefit from COVID if there is such a thing. Um, this has been great. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Josh. Um, hopefully, uh, if anyone can catch us, uh, I'll be heading over to see Josh hopefully in the summertime uh, along with my U.S. tour, so... Um, if you're anywhere in America, I've heard it's quite a small country. Um,
1: it's these, tiny. It's tiny. Yeah. You could throw a rock across it.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard. I've heard things like that. Uh, so yeah, if you're anywhere in in, in North America, uh, like you know, north of Mexico to I don't know, south of the Arctic Circle, um, come come check it out. <laughs> um, and hopefully, the other way around. I think Josh may be coming to visit the UK. Either tail end of this year or beginning of next, I think you mentioned something last time. So, uh, yeah, when uh, when uh, he eventually makes his way over, uh, I'll be definitely hosting him. So, so come check him out then. Definitely check out his podcast, uh I Suck at Jiu Jitsu. It's uh, incredibly informative. He has the right people on. He's asking the right questions, and, and always trying to find the right feedback. Um, check out his Instagram. He, he adds some stuff daily. I know I I you recently, saying because you put up a video regarding. Uh, symmetry Jiu Jitsu. I was like, dude, I've literally done the same video on this. Mm-hmm. So he's always got great content going up, and uh, yeah, he's just a really great guy to follow. So yeah, thank you, uh, Josh McKinney.
1: Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on. And then also, uh, hopefully, when you come visit, we can film uh, a uh, a course with my company, Simplifying Jiu Jitsu.
0: That'd be that'd be bonkers good. I I, I don't think you can quite get how excited i am to actually do that so uh yeah as long as the world kind of rebounds to something looking like normality i'll see you in the summer dude all right
1: sounds good man
0: absolute pleasure thank you josh
1: thank you